says this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. And so there's kind of another take on that question we looked at last week. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For yet when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, I know, Lord, this is a very meaty passage here. There's a lot we could talk about, but Lord, I just pray you'd help me to get across the message today, a simple message, Lord, something that would change us and help us. I pray if there's someone here that is not saved, that today they'd be saved, that they could experience eternal life. Lord, I pray for us as Christians, as we think about this aspect of serving you, I pray, Lord, we'd make the right choice today. Help us to make sense out of this passage now. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a couple of points I want to bring across to you, and I'm... It's a little bit teachy, a lot of definitions here uh, that, that help me formulate this message. It's amazing as you go through a passage and you start defining words, how the defining of those words actually unwraps the message. And so that's a good way to, Bible, to have your Bible study. You do word studies. That means you understand what the word means. And it's amazing how things just open up because of that. My first point is, don't let sin reign in your body. Don't let sin reign in your body. We see that in verse 12, it says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. I want to show you just a couple of words right at the beginning. And I'm going to be looking at some very specific things at the beginning of the message. And then I'll go very general at the end of the message. But I want to look at some word studies here. Notice what it says, let not. If you would look at that word let, what you would find that it means is, it means to exercise kingly power or to exercise the highest influence to control. So the Bible is saying, let not, that means don't allow sin to reign in your mortal body. And the letting that it's talking about there is the authority of a king saying, this is how it is, I've made a decree, and so forth, and this is the way it's going to be. It's not just a loose let. We are talking about an authoritative decision that you make not to allow sin to reign in your life. The word let, you see sometimes in the positive, you see in Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That's another authoritative thing you need to do. So you're supposed to, like a king standing up and making a proclamation, you say, I am allowing the word of Christ to dwell in me richly. I'm going to let it happen. It's going to happen. And the same way in our passage, let not, I'm not going to allow it. 
Amen. I put my foot down, and as a king makes a proclamation, I will not allow this to take place. What is sin anyways? Sin is an an offense. It means to miss the mark. It means to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor. To do or to go wrong. So what you're saying is, I'm making a decision that I will not allow myself to have offenses in my life. I will not accept the fact of missing the mark with God. I am going to try to hit the mark where God sets that mark. I am not going to wander from the path of righteousness. I'm going to stay where God wants me to stay. You see, many of us leave that up to chance, leave that up to feelings, leave that up to situations. But you know what the Bible says? You're supposed to make some proclamations in your life. You're supposed to make some decisions saying, I am not going to let this happen. (laughs) And I'm going to get into the specifics of this, but I think we need to understand right off the bat, what we're talking about is making a definite decision that God says you can make because you're a child of God. You can make that decision and it can make a difference if you allow it to be. The next word we're looking at is reign. Let not sin reign. Reign means also to exercise kingly power. It actually is the same word for let, is reign. That's interesting. If we do not make a decision as a king over the sin in our lives, the sin will exercise kingly authority over us. That's what that passage is saying. That if you don't make a decision about sin in your life, sin will make a decision for you. That's what it's saying in that passage. Now, where is this sin going to flesh itself out? It says in your mortal body. What is your mortal body? Mortal means liable to death. That means as much as you like your body, as much as you work out, young guys, and you can lift that weight and pump iron and you're so strong and and all this, your body is liable to die. Your body has death in it. You will die one day. And you know something? Sin quickens that fact. Sin brings that death closer. I can't tell you how many people in my life that I have seen die and I knew they died before their time because they allowed sin to reign in their mortal body. I've had family members that drank alcohol their whole life and they were marked by that. In fact, everybody knew that's what they do in their home is they drink. <laughs> and I remember the, the, my one uh, uncle, he, he passed away from liver disease Three months later, his wife followed. Same disease. (laughs) From alcohol. Drinking. I don't think that's when God really planned for them to die. See, either you start making some kingly decisions in your life about sin, or sin is going to make some decisions over your life. And God's going to just sit there saying, you allowed it. This is your decision. And when you give yourself the sin in your life, that's why right at the end of that verse, uh, chapter it says, for the wages of sin is death. Now we know ultimately you can apply that to salvation. <laughs> that means the payment of sin is death. That means there's only one way to pay for sin and that's death. Ultimately for salvation, Jesus Christ did that for you on the cross of Calvary. He paid that penalty for you. If you trust Christ as your Savior, you don't have to pay that ultimate penalty of being separated from God forever, the second death, the lake of fire. But you know, even now, as Christians, you can be here born again. You can be here as a Christian that has Christ in them. And you know what? You can still make decisions to allow sin to reign in your mortal body. So what does that mean for you? That means that sin now will start making some decisions for you. Which means that you will probably quicken the death line. 
over and over. Those, those young people that turn to drugs and to cigarettes and to vaping and so forth, and I'm not here just to preach against those things. I mean, there's a myriad of things we could talk about. I remember I smoked cigarettes for many, many years. <laughs> I was talking to someone this week. I was saying I was up to about two packs a day. I got to the point where I realized it's not a matter of if this is going to kill me. It's a matter of when. See, I wasn't exercising the decision to stop. And so in my mind, I was saying, it's going to exercise the decision to stop me. So I made a decision. (laughs) And I went to the Lord about it, and the Lord gave me the strength I needed to make that decision and stop. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. The same uh, Romans 12, verse 1, it says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Your body is very important to God, even though your body is the part of you that you will not see forever. Aren't you glad about that? (laughs) Your body is is redeemed or will be redeemed at the rapture or the resurrection. That means you'll be getting a glorious body. He's not going to fix this one. He's not going to say, let's see what we can do here to get this thing working forever. He's saying, no, 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 no. When I call you up, we're just going to shed that old thing, and we're going to give you a brand new glorified body. So the only part about you right now that is not redeemable is your old broken body. And isn't it amazing that that's exactly where sin attacks? Your sin is usually about your mortal body. It's about the way you feel in your body. And that's why you need to exercise authority over that. (laughs) Your authority is being exercised in your soul. Your three parts, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Your spirit is the part of you that was born again when you got saved. Christ came into you, and now your spirit is now connected with God. His life is now inside of you. So your spirit has been made alive. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about it. You hath he quickened that were dead in your trespasses and sins. That means your spirit has been made alive. But do you know what else you got? You've got a soul. Your soul is your thinker. (laughs) Your soul is your heart. Your mind, your will, your emotions, that's your soul. So that's your chooser in life. So you've got this spirit that is already sealed into the day of redemption. You know, Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within you and he's with you forever. But now what he wants to do is take him from that spirit. He wants you to give him permission to control your decisions. That's why we have verses like this, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. He works from the inside out. Amen? And so he wants you to change your thinking. That's why he says, let not... Well, you say, well, you know, I got no control over the sin. It's just so hard. I can't do it. I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, that's only because you're trying to do it in your own strength. But that spirit inside of you is saying, oh, you've got all the strength. You've got the strength of heaven to overcome this thing. In fact, the Bible says, remember, we looked at that in our first message, that you've got to reckon yourselves indeed dead unto sin. Because Jesus died for your sin, that sin no longer has power over you. The penalty of sin has been paid for, the power of sin has been broken, and the presence of sin will be removed in the future. Past, present, future. Amen? Spirit, soul, body. Spirit is the past. You got born again. You're redeemed in the past. You're being redeemed in your soul as you're allowing the Lord to change your thinking and you will be redeemed in your body when you get to your new glorious body. Amen? Amen. So your three parts, past, present, future. <laughs> and it's all one and the same. When you made that decision of salvation, all three of those have been dealt with. But he's giving you this time right now. You still have a broken body. Your body is full of sin. But he says, guess what? I want you to learn how to allow me to work in you in such a way that even in your broken body, that I can use you as an instrument of righteousness. This is the only chance you'll get to do that. That means when you go to heaven, there's no more chance. He's given you this little 
block of time and all eternity to walk by faith in such a way that nobody ever will be able to ever again. You now have an opportunity to walk by faith in something you do not see, but you believe because the word of God says it, and you'll be rewarded for that faith, and you'll please God because of that faith. You'll never do it again. That means after your death day, when you meet the Lord, you will never have a chance once again to please God by faith. But he left you in this state. <laughs> well, Lord, I wish you'd have just given me my glorious body right away. <laughs> well, that'd be great. But the thing is, then you wouldn't need the Lord. Now you're driven to him. Now you suffer with him. Now you become stronger with him. <laughs> Amen. So he says, what you need to learn is to make some authoritative decisions in your life about letting some things and letting not some other things. And realize that that sin has no power over your life. Amen? I can't, I can't. Well, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Yes, you can. But he says, for without me, ye can do nothing. So yeah, you can't if you're without him. But if you're doing it with him, you can do all things through Christ. Amen? So stop the defeatist attitude, <laughs> you know? Sure, there's a lot of things we can't do. We can't really do anything without Christ. But do you have Christ? If you do, then you can. I can't overcome that pornography addiction, preacher. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You've just allowed the devil to convince you that you can't. Now, you may have to get rid of your phone. <laughs> you may have to get rid of your computer, which wouldn't be a bad thing. But you can Amen. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, it says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That means our life is about learning to take this broken body that we have, this body that seeks to have itself pleasured, and we have to put it under subjection. We have to make the body the slave. The spirit is the master, the soul is simply the manager or the steward, and your body is the slave. The devil wants you to make your body the master. Every time you got a little sniffle, I can't go to church. Every time I don't feel, your body is running your life. Stop allowing it to. There are times where you are sick and you should stay home. But folks, you need to know what that is in your life. Because many people, they don't even realize that their body is running their life. That's why you need to teach your kids to bring their body into subjection. Every time they don't feel well, oh, you go and pamper them. No. You take that son and you say, go to work. I don't feel real good. Well, it'll make you feel better to work. You got to teach them to put their body into subjection. And you know what? It's bad parenting to, to keep pampering your kid in such a way, every time their body feels a little bit down, oh, you just don't have to do anything. Learn, teach them how to put it into subjection. The body is a slave, not the master. And the reason why we have what's going on today in this stinking world is because the body is ruling their lives. When the spirit should be ruling the life. That born again spirit, that which is connected with God. That's why kids don't want to read the Bible. That's why they don't want to pray. Because they don't need to, to live the life that they're living. But if you want to live the life you're supposed to be living according to the word of God, you need to walk with God. You need to read your Bible. If you don't need to read your Bible and pray, your body is probably calling the shots. Amen? It's all about the way I feel. I feel this. I feel... Folks, sometimes you just got to push yourself through. You have to. I've had to teach myself that with my knee. I could just shut it down. Push it. 
You do need rest, and you got to know when you need that rest. But folks, there's a different thing between just knowing when you need rest or continuing allowing yourself, your, your body to be catered to and at the expense of the spiritual things of your life. There's a lot of people that are more, they're more at home than in church on Sundays. I'm sorry, God did not create you like that. There's something off there. He did not create you to miss the things of God. He created you so you could be a part of the things of God. And if you're finding if something is keeping you away from the things of God all the time and trying to justify it as this is normal, I'm sorry, it's probably because your body's in control. Amen? So all you are, you got your spirit, which is feeding you from God with the word of God. You've got this soul, which is really just a decision maker. <clears throat> the decisions you will make will be based upon where your heart is switched. Is my heart switched to God or is my heart switched to this world? It's really just a two-position switch. God or the world. We talk about God, but our heart's not with God. Isn't that what Jesus told those Pharisees? Oh, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Oh, we know how to talk about Jesus, but we don't know how to walk with Jesus. Amen? So really what this is in the middle here, this soul is just a, just a decision maker. You've got your body over here that's hurting. You've got your body over here that's desiring. It's got all kinds of things it wants. You've got your spirit over here, which God is just feeding and trying to convict you and guide you. And you've got this decision maker in the middle. And it'll make the right decisions based upon where the heart is switched. My heart is switched to God. I'll hear from this side. My heart is switched to this world. I'll hear from this side. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not going to allow my body to be in control. He says, because the, the cost of that is that which I have preached to others that I'll be a castaway. I'll miss the will of God for my life. And this was the great Apostle Paul that was saying that. He knew that if he allowed his body to call the shots, he would miss the will of God for his life. Think about that. <laughs> so if he, as a great Christian, as a sacrificial Christian, had to be careful, do you think we ought to be careful? Absolutely. Another word I want to look at here is the word lust. Notice what it says there in Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read this once again. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. So sin has lust, longings. That's what it is, a longing or desire. The way that sin exercises control over us is if we obey it in its longings or desires. So you're making a decision to obey. <laughs> That's what I mean. Either you're going to make a decision to, to make some decisions over sin, or you will have sin making decisions for you, and you will obey it in the lust thereof. It's a decision you make. It's not automatic. You say, well, I just don't know what's going on. It's just happening automatically. No, you're making a decision to obey the lust of sin in your life. I know this isn't a popular message. <laughs> when we have a desire and longing for something that we know to be sinful, we have to exercise the authority of a king over it and let not. Stop listening to its reasons, to its excuses. You can always come up with excuses why I should sin. Well, you know, I've worked hard. And on the weekend, we need to kind of you know, loosen up a bit. All kinds of reasons or excuses why I can get away with sin. Well, I'm sorry, that does not cut it with God. Some things about lust. And I thought this was interesting as I did a little study on this. We know better or can know better than before we were saved about this thing. Before you were saved, you didn't understand that you were following the lusts of, of sin in your life. You actually thought you were in control. 
You thought everything was, I, hey, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to be the one that decides my fate. And you didn't even realize that sin was already deciding your fate. <laughs> you had no idea. But now we know. So we're in a much better position now as born-again believers to deal with this aspect of lust in our life. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. <laughs> Before I was ignorant, <clears throat> I didn't understand it. It was going on. I thought I was in control, not realizing that sin was really just going to take my life. But now that I'm saved, I'm, no lot of, I'm not ignorant anymore. I know the cost of it. I know how it works. That's why we got messages like this. So we begin to understand how to deal with the lust of the flesh. Amen? So the excuse, I didn't know, must not be used for God's children. We should make it our business to know what we are allowing our body to do whether it's for God or against God. But I'll tell you something, when, when it all comes crashing down on you, you can't use the excuse that I didn't know. <laughs> because you're no longer in your ignorance. You are now a born-again child of God, and you've got a, a very alive Spirit of God in you that works in your soul, and you can know everything that you absolutely want to, want to know, but you may have to crack open the Bible every now and then. No excuse. Second thing about lust is our world is marked by those that walk after lust. So you look at this world and you'll say, well, they do it and they do it. Well, of course, <laughs> the world does it. Jude 18 says, How that they told you there shall be mockers in the last time who shall walk after their own ungodly lusts. They're all around us. Whenever you have somebody that's mocking Christians, mocking the things of God, mocking the Bible, you know what they're doing? They're walking according to their own ungodly longings. So you know what the biggest battle is as a pastor? It's battling the stuff that you do with your body. You know what? I can talk about all kinds of spiritually aloof stuff here. You don't care. <laughs> but as soon as I say, be careful how you dress. Be careful where you go. Oh, what right do you have? Oh, you know why you're saying that, right? <laughs> because you're walking after its lusts. One that isn't is coming from this side. They're saying, you know what? Yeah, we need to put that body in, into place. But that's why the preacher is fighting so much. That's why we're battling so much. It's not so much about talking about the things of God and the doctrines of the Bible. We love hearing about Jesus and, and how he's eternal and his atonement and all those things. But as soon as we apply it to the body, all of a sudden we all lose our religion. Because we're exposed. That's when we're mad at the preacher. We don't care about what he says about the soul and the spirit, but leave the body alone, preacher. That's because your body is the master. <laughs> and the preacher doesn't preach your body is the master. He preaches the spirit is the master. And if you find yourself getting mad when I'm hitting the body stuff, it's because the body is your master. Amen? Number three, standing and suffering for the Lord will help you learn to not sin. <laughs> I know my points are terrible, but, but the principle is good. First Peter 4, 1, it says this, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. That he, be, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. So this is what it's all about here. This body. Body living. 
You just need to pamper yourself. You know, don't suffer. Just protect yourself. The Lord says, the more you suffer here, the stronger you're going to be over here. In fact, the more you suffer there, you will cease from sin. So we want to keep our bodies where, oh, they're never in an awkward position, never in an inconvenient position, never in a hurtful position, never suffering for Jesus' position, amen. But the Bible says that when we suffer, that's when we stop sinning. You know, it's amazing in the hospital when you're seeing people lying around in the beds, you know what you're mostly seeing in them is not sinning. <laughs> They're kind of just lying there. They're suffering at such a state in their physical body that there's no way that they can do anything with their body to sin. So, well, that's a terrible place to be. Well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe some of us would be better in the hospital. And that's why sometimes the Lord does put us in the hospital. He's saying, your body's become so important to you that I need to put it in a bed because your soul has become so weak. And I'm the spirit. You're not even talking to me anymore. You're not reading your Bible. <clears throat> the spirit is so weak. Your spirit is sour. You're no longer sweet. You're no longer on fire for God. He's, he would rather take your body out. You think the Lord has a problem taking an arm off or a leg off so that you can have a vibrant spirit and a, and a soul that's right with him? But no, we put it all about this. All ought to be, let's pamper, pamper, pamper. No suffering, no inconvenience. A lot of people will serve the Lord, but they won't serve the Lord if it's inconvenient. Well, if I can fit it in my schedule, then I'll do it. Well, if it doesn't cost me any money, then I'll do it. <laughs> well, if serving the Lord has to be convenient, it's not really serving the Lord. You're serving yourself. You understand that? That's why I've been so blessed in the last little while to see the men stand up. And, you know, I'm, I'm not putting pressure on them to come work, and I'm just kind of waiting around and says, I hope somebody comes and does his work. And all of a sudden I go there, and there's somebody working. They're putting themselves out. Folks, if i got to sit here and grab you and pull you there, that's not serving God. It's you putting yourself in an inconvenient situation you, and I'm not saying everybody should come to the building and work. I mean, if you don't have the skill to do it, it's probably better you don't. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> sure, I'll paint, preacher. What color you want? <laughs> no, let's not do that. Those that are willing to suffer loss for Christ, whether that be time, resources, friends, jobs, they're not willing to suffer that loss. They're given over to lust. See, sometimes we think lust is just about immorality, pornography. It's not. Lust is anything that keeps you from serving God. Well, I just need time to myself. That's a lust. Well, I just need to relax. That can be a lust. Sometimes you do need to relax, but sometimes you shouldn't. Sometimes it's a body crying out to you at the expense of what God has for you. It becomes a lust. I think I came up with a list, one preacher, about 82 lusts in the Bible. 82 different kinds of lusts. So every last one of us, we have them. It is a lust that you're not wanting to rock the boat. Well, you know, I just don't want to rock the boat. You know, for, you know I, I believe in Jesus. I keep to myself. That's a lust. What? That's a lust? Sure it is. You're not willing to pay a price for your faith. You want people to know you're a Christian on the job. It may cost you something. That coworker may not like you as much. See, that's why it ends up being a lust because your longing is for that person to like you. 
And that's a desire of the flesh. It's a lust that you're fulfilling to keep that ungodly relationship you ought not be in. And sometimes, when you, folks, I've got this kind of rule that if, if Jesus is not welcome with you, then I'm not welcome with you. But some of us are far too easy to go into situations where Jesus would not be allowed to go by them, and yet you go instead. My idea is this. If you don't want Jesus around you, then you don't want me around you. Because you know what's coming out of my mouth? Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm going to seek for my testimony to be? Jesus. And so you don't want Jesus, you don't want me. But you know there's some people that will give up their testimony for Christ to have that relationship? That's a lust. That's a lust. It's a longing of the flesh. As long as you walk after your lust, you will never stand for Christ. But when you stand for Christ and suffer loss, you desire, your desire for sin wanes. You begin to have a stronger desire for righteousness. So when you begin to suffer loss for Christ, the desire for sin gets less. You understand that? That's why the Apostle Paul says that I may fellowship with his sufferings. If I suffer with Christ, he knew that my desire for sin would be lessened. But if you keep protecting yourself from suffering for Jesus, your desire for sin will increase. So you can't have both. You're either taking a stand and walking with Christ and unashamedly doing that, or you are walking after the lust of your flesh. My fourth point here is, if you are always arguing and fighting, you're walking after your lusts. Well, everybody, it's healthy to argue. <laughs> and who told you that? <laughs> well, you didn't get it from the Bible. <laughs> but some book you read. No, uh, arguing and fighting is, is an evidence of something. The Bible tells us in James 4, verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? <laughs> come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? So if you've got fighting in the home and arguing going on, it's because there's somebody walking according to the lust of their flesh in that house. Lust produced that. Number five, your prayers are not answered because you're asking things from God in your lust rather than his will. James 4.3, ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. Now, what does that mean? Am I going to ask for sinful things? No. It's not, it's not, most Christians know I'm not going to ask for something that's sinful, that people know is sinful. But that doesn't mean what I'm praying for isn't lustful. Sometimes we're praying for the wrong thing. And we're praying for it because we want it so bad. And it may not necessarily be a wrong thing for someone to have, but because we want it so bad, we're not willing to let it go. Like I say many times, folks, who wants to be poor? <laughs> we all like to have money in the bank so we can pay our bills and so forth. But the Bible says that we must come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy or find grace to help in a time of need. So many times what we need to do, instead of praying for more money, we need to ask God for the grace to be poor. If you don't have the grace to be poor, why would he give you more money and make you rich? You understand that? It's like I reject God that you would actually want me to be poor, so I'm praying that you'll bring me money. Now, it's not wrong to want money to pay your bills, and you ought to pay for your finances to be taken care of, but before you pray for your finances to be taken care of, say, Lord, if you don't give me the money to pay my bills, give me the grace to be a Christian that is good and poor. I'd rather be poor and right with God. 
And that's our problem today. We want money. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to have less. So we pray for more. God, give us more. Name it and claim it. When God says, this is where you'll learn me. This is where you'll see me. Pray for grace. Sometimes, you know, lately, Lord, heal my knee. Like, you know, I've been thinking, what if the Lord doesn't want to heal my knee? What if he wants me to feel pain every day of my life? Would I allow that? Oh, that's just not an option, preacher. <laughs> sure it is. In fact, that ought to be our first option. Lord, give me the grace <laughs> to keep being faithful to you with this pain. Lord, if it's your will, heal it. But this is where the Apostle Paul was told my grace is sufficient. Amen? So I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for healing for your body, but I'm saying before you pray for healing, maybe you need to pray for grace to be sick. And if you've missed praying for that, then all you're doing is praying for your lusts. Not praying in the will of God. Because the will of God may be that you hurt every day. You get that? Well, that's not what my preacher told me. Your preacher's a heretic. Any preacher tells you that you're not supposed to ever be sick or it's just a matter of you're, you don't have enough faith. and you, you mean faith is only good for healing your body? What happened to faith to endure the suffering of life? I know that doesn't produce enough dollars in the bank account for the preachers. That's not a, that's not a very uh, palatable message for people for you to actually be content being sick in your life. I can't make the, the advertisement, send me so much money and you'll be well. <laughs> send me so much money, I'll tell you how you can be sick the rest of your life. It's not a good advertisement for these preachers. <laughs> You know that's not what we do here, right? I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. It's up to you whether you put the tithe in the offering or not. <laughs> Your lust will turn you against the message of the preacher. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We're living in a day and age where if the preacher's message doesn't fit my desires, then I'm just going to go find another teacher that does fit my desires. And the Bible says that's a sign of an apostate generation. Many times people get up and leave because they don't like the message. It's going against the things that I long for and I desire. Your lust will take you out of church. Your lust will take you away from the preaching of God's word. I've had people come in here look at me and I knew they weren't going to be coming back. Because <laughs> what I was preaching was right against their whole lifestyle. And folks, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge everything. I challenge things in my life. And I'll probably challenge everything in your life too. And you'll either like it or hate it. But all I know is if you operate by the lust of your flesh... <laughs> You're walking out of the will of God for your life. And maybe you need to hear some strong messages to get right in your heart. Maybe you need to be challenged. Maybe you're not as spiritual as you think you are. Amen. Maybe you need to say, Lord, break me. Break me. My last point in this aspect of lust is our lust will lead your decisions to make more money at the expense of righteousness. 
1 Timothy 6, 9, it says, But they that will be rich fall in temptation and snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Can I just ask you, so, just tell you something today. It's, it's great to get an education, to get a career, to get all those things. I'm for all of that. <laughs> but you just have to be careful personally that your money does not get that priority in your life where you're giving up the things of righteousness for it. Because then you know you are operating according to your lusts. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. Well, I'm not drinking alcohol, preacher. Amen. I'm not going to pat you on the back because you never should have. Well, I don't watch pornography. I'm glad you don't. But don't expect a pat on the back. I'm not going to congratulate you to not sin. <laughs> you know what I will congratulate you on? is when you're faithful to God. A lot of people think repentance is just stopping doing something. You know, the Bible says that let them that stole steal no more. That's me, preacher. I used to steal. I don't steal no more. It's only half of repentance. But then it goes, but rather let him work with his hands and give Wow, that's the other half. Am I there? This is the pat on the back. <laughs> Preacher, I'm not sinning. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> Never should have in the per first place, so don't expect a congratulations. But I'll tell you what you're really going against your nature is when you used to steal, now with your hands you're sacrificing, you're suffering, so that you can help other people. That, my friend, is the flip side. Amen? You'll never get to the flip side if you're not going to make this authoritative choice. Let not sin reign. Let not sin reign. I'll tell you something. If you don't make that authoritative decision over sin in your life, Sin will make an authoritative decision over your life. But a decision is going to be made. <clears throat> Young person here today, you are not in a place where you're in control. I don't want to listen to my mom, but I'm going to go do what I want. When I turn 18, I'm just going to go do it. Number one, that's lust. You should want to be with your parents because you love them. You know what? You should want to be with them until you're married. Scripturally, that's what the Bible says. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. When you get married, you make your own family. I'm not saying you can't go live apart before that, but that ought to be under your parents' decision too. Let not sin reign. I don't know today if you've got some sin in your life, but can I tell you something? If you don't make a decision today to say, you know what, I'm not letting you reign in my life anymore. That sin is going to make a decision for you. Don't think you're in control. Young person, 18, I'm out here, I'm on my own. I'm free. <laughs> you think you're free. Until you start trying to free yourself. Then you realize you've got a big chain tied to a peg in the ground. Anybody that thinks they're free, it's usually because they've never tried to become free. I've talked to people that have drank alcohol and they were alcoholics. And, oh, I can quit anytime. <laughs> I've never tried because I don't want to. Well, I'll tell you what will happen when you try. You're going to step away and all of a sudden you're going to go like this. And you're going to realize that you were never free. And the same is for all of us here. Sin pegs you down, chains you down. It'll shorten your life. 
it'll hurt you. But the Lord gave us the power over sin. When he died on that cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, you can make a decision today. I don't care what kind of sin it is. Well, I can't, I can't quit smoking, preacher. Yes, you can. I was up to two packs a day. I'd been smoking for 10 years. I couldn't live without it. I was, I was lighting one with the other sometimes. I'd wake up in the morning and just... <clears throat> then grab a cigarette. You know when I, when I quit? When I went to the Father. When I got tired of being apart from God. When I got tired of having my prayers bounce off the ceiling and him not hearing me because I love my sin too much. Touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, he says. I was tired of not having a relationship with him as my father in heaven. You may deceive yourself. Oh, he's my father in heaven. Is there sin in the way? Are you playing with the dirty, rotten things of this world? You think that he's being a father unto you? You don't know what that's like until you say, Lord, help me, free me from this. Then you see what kind of father he can be. And then he sees what kind of son you can be to him. Amen. You need to do it for his sake. Not because of health, not because of money. It costs too much. You do it because it's keeping you from fellowship with your father in heaven. Then you watch how quick the Lord will say, let me help you with that. He doesn't care about your money, your body. But he does care about his relationship with you. And if you can put that first, say, Lord, I'm not going to let sin reign in my body because if I do, I'll be away from you and out of your will. You know how quick he's going to help you? Pretty quick. As quick as an invitation in a service like this where you say, Lord, let me come and help me. Help me, Lord. And he'll help you today.